What's up everyone? It's me AJ and you're listening to Housewives Happy Hour and it's time for the ultimate breakdown. Welcome back everyone to the ultimate breakdown. I'm starting with Beverly Hills today. So on Instagram, Rena did announce that she wants former Beverly Hills cast members Teddy Mellencamp and Eileen Davidson back on the show. She posted two Instagram stories. One said, I wish they would hire at Teddy Mellencamp back on Beverly Hills. She was a great fucking housewife. And then in another slide, she said, and Eileen Davidson, one of the greats. Um, so here's my thing. I, I won't get into Teddy as much because I did want to talk about her a little bit just because she's been kind of rolling around on social media lately. Eileen would be interesting, I think, but I almost felt like Eileen was too, um, you know, she was just really classy in a way. And like, I, not that the women are not classy, but I just don't know how she would mesh well with this group. I mean, Eileen is still very much in the acting world and I think the hiring of actresses on the show didn't really work out, hence Denise, um, just because they just don't want to share that much. And I don't really remember Eileen sharing as much, you know? I mean, I think she was just there, and she was very much so a voice of reason. And um, she was a great cast member, I would I would say, but I, I don't think that I would, you know, really say, hey, let's bring her back, because I don't really feel like she added as much to the show. But I did like her. Um, and Teddy is a whole other story I, you know, I will get into in probably just a minute or so. (laughs) So I did find something interesting online. According to Radar Online, Tom Girardi's ex-wife, Karen Girardi, has sued him over unpaid spousal support. Um, yeah, I was kind of shocked myself. Karen was awarded $10,000 a month in her 1989 divorce from Tom. She demands the court update the lien she placed against Tom's $10 million Pasadena mansion. So the original lien was for $95,000. However, Karen now says that the lien needs to be updated to $245,000 due to Tom neglecting to pay the court-ordered spousal support for years. Tom's ex-wife initially took him to court in 2020 after he stopped paying her spousal support. She demanded the court find him in contempt and order him to pay the unpaid support. Uh, And I'm assuming that's kind of when all this happened with, uh, um, you know, all the other money that he owed. Um, In the court filing, Karen claims that she tried to work out a deal with her ex when he asked her to lower the payments from $10,000 to $5,000. Tom allegedly claimed... Excuse me. Tom allegedly claimed he was tired of paying and felt it was long enough. No deal was ever reached, and Tom eventually paid a portion of the owed back uh, spousal support. However, Karen insists Tom then began to miss payments again, and she claims that he failed to pay five thousand for May and twenty thousand for July and August. He also didn't pay support for September until June twenty twenty two. Uh, despite Karen's recent filing, her battle with Tom will continue to live on the back burner amid the. Uh, long list of legal issues that Tom is now facing. Um, what I find interesting is that she's even still fighting this because I feel like it was kind of revealed that he has like nothing in his bank account anymore, really. Uh, so I, I don't really know what she expects to get out of him. If Eric is not going to get anything, then I guarantee that this Karen Girardi is not going to get anything either. So definitely thought that was interesting. Moving on from that, following a recent episode of Beverly Hills, Alyssa Kim made a TikTok calling out Sutton for allegedly being racist towards her when she was friends with her daughter. Um, 
so Sutton's basically responding to this. If you remember a recent comment Sutton made last season on Beverly Hills did come to light. She spoke with Crystal on the show and said, my white child is with black girls in there. A Chinese girl was in the jacuzzi. And I'm like, this is what it should be. Sutton defended the comment during the cast trip in Mexico saying, it's about my family and how I have raised them to have multicultural friends. We have a pool. We have a jacuzzi. Everybody's welcome. That's it. According to Alyssa, she was the Chinese girl Sutton was uh, referencing in her comment, even though she's not Chinese. Um... (laughs) Alyssa wrote, me when I cut off my high school BFF of five years because her mom was racist to me and now she's a real housewife getting called out for being racist. And her response is, my white daughter had a Chinese friend on TV. She added, I'm not Chinese. Um, here, I have a picture that Alyssa is, you know, Alyssa Kim, she on her TikTok. And there's a photo of her and Sutton's daughter. Um, so it, it definitely, they were definitely friends. Um, so what does Sutton think of this allegation? According to a comment that I captured on Instagram, Sutton uh, is sweating the claim, saying the truth always prevails. That's, you know, what she said. So I definitely think it was interesting that she didn't have much to say about that. But um, yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe this girl is lying. Maybe she's not. Who knows? So there has been talk on social media that Beverly Hills, though despite having really high ratings, is becoming staged in a way and... um, and could be reaching an end. I personally disagree with that. I think that, you know, the ratings really reflect that the show is doing well. If you look at some of the other franchises with low ratings, um, like Orange County, New York, um, those are shows that are definitely going to be, you know, more looked at, in my opinion. They're going to be more evaluated. I think the casting is super crucial for the next season of OC. And the success of Roni is really going to be dependent on this legacy show and the cast that they're planning to cast for the new season. So anyways, with that being said, um, you know, I personally think that the season for Beverly Hills so far has been pretty dramatic. But according to a new interview with Garcelle that she did on E! News' Daily Pop, she actually admitted that she's scared that uh, and said this season it's a roller coaster ride. We're going to have a lot of episodes so there's a lot for everybody, and everybody's tested throughout the season. When she says there's a lot of episodes, I did see that Rena posted on her Instagram story saying that there could possibly be 22 episodes, which is a hefty season for us, so I think we should buckle up for that. Um, Garcelle explained, off the show has been a lot. A lot's happened, and normally we let it play out, and then we get to the reunion. But I feel there is another show outside of the show that is happening. Um As for who's the cause of all this off-screen drama, Garcelle actually traces it back to Erica, but she said there's a lot going on. Meanwhile, Garcelle adds that she can't wait for fans to be introduced to her good friend Cherie Zampino, who recruited to join the show as a friend of the Housewives, similar to Kathy. Garcelle joked, I threw her in, it's the Housewives. She really holds her own in life, but I think she was surprised when she got on the show because every 15 minutes she'd be like, what the hell, what did you get me into? I have to say, I'm looking forward to New Blood. I, I mean, even though there's a lot of housewives, I think it's still going to be fun. And as for the drama, I personally can't wait because I've just seen so much going through the blogs and I really just want to break down all the drama. I want to lay it out on the table, excuse me, and just kind of um, get it over with so we can talk about it and evaluate. But um, yeah, I'm excited. Kyle and Mauricio have listed their Aspen, Colorado home. Uh, And despite what people think about the drama and the bad juju being in the Aspen home, it's actually not the case. Kyle did state on her social media that the reason that they are selling their Aspen, Colorado home 
is due to the fact that their family is big and they need more space. I can't imagine because this is a 2,426 square foot home and it is listed at 9.75 million. It's three story. It's a modern mountain escape, four bedroom, four and a half bath. Um, the home does feature a refinished rooftop deck with a hot tub and panoramic views. Inside of the home has log beam ceilings, full height stack stone fireplace, large bedrooms, and a spa-like master bedroom. Or, uh, sorry, spa-like spa master bathroom. Uh, the photos are absolutely gorgeous. I'm sure you can find them online or on Instagram. I'm looking at them right now, and it's just absolutely beautiful. Um, this isn't actually their. Um, this isn't their only property that they have. Um, that they are removing. So um, on the June 15th episode of Beverly Hills, the ladies are relaxing on vacation, excuse me, <clears throat> in Punta Mita, Punta Mita, Mexico, which is one of Kyle and Mauricio's favorite vacation spots. Kyle did state that um, uh, basically that they are considering building a vacation home there. She said, we wanted this property here. We bought it. We were going to build on the beach. And so Kyle basically revealed that... Um, <laughs> Her husband's dream was to build a home, but her friend lived right near them and they had an alligator in the pool um, and they got offered a lot of money over what they paid for the beachfront property. So she said to take it because of the alligator. So they actually sold that piece of property that they had as well. And speaking of selling properties, Teddy Mellencamp and her husband Edwin have put their Hollywood Hills home up for sale for the second time. It is a modern estate and it is listed by Kyle's husband Mauricio and her oldest daughter Farah of the agency. So their home in the Hollywood Hills is a five bedroom, six bathroom, 4,200 square feet and is on the market for $5.9 million. It's uh, definitely panoramic city to ocean views with expensive terraces that span the width of the home. If you guys remember, it was featured on the show. Uh, and the property includes an array of features, including marble white porcelain tile and custom wood paneling along the automatic Fleetwood pocket doors for indoor-outdoor living. There is a modern kitchen with a breakfast bar, overlooks an incredible vista of the outdoor living space in the Hollywood Hills. The master suite includes a soaking tub and a walk-in dressing room, and it also features a home office and a gym. There is a pool with a heated spa, patio, and barbecue kitchen bar area, and they purchased the home in 2017 for $4.7 million, so I guess they're going to make hopefully a million-dollar profit on it. Um, definitely a beautiful home, not my taste. It's like super, super modern, but it does have a beautiful view of, um, of L.A., so I think it's probably definitely going to go quick. And, um, God, yeah, the view is just stunning. So I have some alleged tea that I found, and the only reason I'm sharing it, only because I, you know, I said alleged, but um, this definitely was, you know, my theory for this whole situation that happened. But anyways, um, so with regarding the drama between Sutton and Crystal, so apparently there is some alleged tea about their dark drama that has come to light. It is alleged that Sutton did make, um, or I'm sorry, that she didn't make any dark comments aside from saying that she doesn't see color. Instead, this insider claims that Crystal is simply trying to stir the pot and create drama after being told at the end of last season that she needed to bring it for season 12. The source adds that Crystal would have, excuse me, no storyline this season without Sutton's drama. Um, this is what the insider had to say, and it was, um, I found it on that, uh, that Bravo Life on Instagram. 
they said, I have it on good authority that Sutton did not say anything aside from I do not see color. They all had hot mics that night. It's why Kyle is so adamant nothing was said. She would have brought this up to drive up the show. Now, Crystal was given a warning at the end of last season that she needed to bring it in the next season. Her life is not interesting and has nothing going on. The best option she had was to make this up to start the drama at Sutton's expense, because without it, she would have no storyline and be kicked off. So she brought up something from a year ago. Sutton won't say anything because she quickly learned that something she says may have different connotations to others. I don't see color. Not racist in her mind, but is unsure if she said anything non-PC. Moving forward, um, the source claimed that Bravo fans will start to see cracks in Crystal's story. Bringing this up because as a viewer, you will see the cracks in Crystal's story. If others know, it will be easier for Bravo to bring a housewife with an actual life and get her off the show. Now, while I think that this person was being a little bit too harsh, I do very well believe that producers probably sat Crystal aside and said, hey, we're going to bring you back, but you're going to have to bring something next season that really kind of captivates our audiences. Obviously, whatever she's doing is working because I definitely think it's getting people talking about the show. However, I do see that it could be a little annoying and dragged out. So that's something that she could probably work on is, you know, not carrying on unnecessary drama. Um, the show is, you know, a little bit staged in my opinion. I mean, we're talking about the same things for a couple different episodes and it's a little annoying. So, um, I do think that things get dragged out a little much on Beverly Hills, but that could just be, you know, how the producers are running the show. Um, I, I feel like people do forget that there are producers on the show and the producers are responsible a little bit for driving ratings. And so... I think that they do have to come up with certain storylines and certain ways to kind of keep people engaged. And um, that's kind of the direction that Beverly Hills is going into because um, they did have a producer change um, just a few seasons ago. So that could be why we're seeing this carried out drama. This is probably just how they want to run the show. And obviously it's working because the ratings are good. So Kathy Hilton recently revealed that Bravo has contacted her younger sister, Kim Richards, to return to the show. She believes their sister Kyle can convince Kim to come back into the fold. Currently, Kathy and Kyle both appear on Beverly Hills in different roles. Uh, Kyle is the latest remaining OG on the show, obviously, while Kathy is a friend of. Christian Gray Snow, one of my friends on Instagram, posted, Who's your favorite housewife fighter? I'd bet money Kim Richards could win in a war of words against goddamn anybody. And Kathy responded by saying, I think Kyle and I can make that happen. They have already reached out to her, so... Confirming previous reports that Kim received a call from Andy about returning to Beverly Hills. Kathy didn't stop there and talked about how often she, Kyle, and Kim fight. Um, Kathy said, don't play with her. You will never win. By the way, um, I very rarely respond to rumors. Kim and I have had maybe two or three arguments in the last five years. One of us breaks down within 10 days. Kyle and I have had one argument in the last two years. I love my sisters very much. It hurts me when the press refers to us as half-sisters. We never felt that way. I am just too sensitive. Um, do I think it would be a good idea to bring Kim back onto the show? Um, I don't know. It's been so long, but I think that it would be nice to have an OG back on the show with with um, with Kyle. And I think it would be really great to see the dynamic of the three of them together. I just, um, I don't know how it will go. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a little hesitant about it just because... I, I don't know where Kim's at in her life, um, and I, I don't really know necessarily if if we want to see that. So I I don't know. Um, I want to I I might want to post something on Instagram to get like the general, you know, 
consensus of what you guys think. I want to know kind of uh, how the fans feel about it because I never really know if people want to bring Kim back or not. I know there are some Kim fans out there, but I don't know how that would be. And closing out with Beverly Hills, and speaking of returning cast members, the former Real Housewives of Beverly Hills star Brandi Glanville doesn't think that she's a good fit for the franchise that made her a reality TV star. Um, she spoke with Page Six recently uh, in an interview and said that Beverly Hills is the le- the least authentic these days when um, than it was when she was on the show, basically a decade ago. She said, honestly, it's a different show than what I was used to. Uh, when we used to shoot, they would just drop us off and be like, you go and whatever happens, happens. She, um, Brandy, you know, for those of you who don't know, or maybe you do know, she did star on Beverly Hills for three seasons from 2012 to 2015. And she popped up as a guest in 2020 when she claimed to have hooked up with Denise Richards during a trip in 2019. Brandy claims that she believed Denise and her husband, Aaron, had an understanding and an open marriage. Denise, on the other hand, denied Brandy's allegations. That was the whole storyline of that year (laughs) um so when brandy popped up on beverly hills in 2020 for season 10 she noticed that there was a new production style on the show she said when i came back with the denise drama it was like okay you sit here you do this we're gonna do this again it felt very much produced to me and i'm not an actress she continued by saying it's like do that again and i'm like what did i do i'm real in the moment so i don't know if i'm a good fit for what it is now it just seems less authentic these days and more produced to me However, um, Jill Zarin from New York said that she would love to see Brandy back on Beverly Hills. She said, excuse me, I would love to see Brandy back on the show. We need that breath of fresh air, her honesty. Oh, I would love to see what Brandy says to Erica. They might become friends. They could be allies. Who knows? Uh, Brandy isn't so sure, but she notes that she's friendly with both Erica and Sutton. She said, I definitely would have an opinion if I were on this season. Uh, And that's what she said between Sutton and Crystal. I think Sutton has been ignorant in some of the things that she said, but I don't think they were malicious. I don't think she said it on purpose. And she also thinks that Erica is enjoying watching Sutton go down. Every time that something happens to Sutton, Erica's like, all right, let's poke at it a little bit more. And I just feel like the two don't like each other. It's obvious, but it's like, I don't know who I would side with. A lot to break down there, but I would say this. I don't know if necessarily Brandy would you know, be a good fit for the current cast. There's something about her, and I'm watching it on Girls Trip right now, that I, you know, I couldn't pinpoint. Like, I was kind of excited to see her again, and then I was watching Girls Trip, and I just... The whole, like, you know, like, getting kind of, like, drunk and tipsy, and then, like, you know, just being messy with your words is not really, like, entertaining to me anymore. And I think I've just seen it too many times. She definitely knows how to, like, start drama and stir drama, and I definitely think that she's real. I don't think she's fake at all in the sense of, like, acting or putting on a show for the cameras. But at the same time, like, the whole, like, just getting drunk and then spewing bullshit, like, I don't know. It's just, it's, like, already gonna start getting old on Girls Trip because they've called her out multiple times on it already. But um, I don't really know if that's, like, the jam at Beverly Hills now. As far as Beverly Hills being, like, super staged, I could see that. I mean, like I said a little bit ago, like, I definitely see that there's there's scenes that are definitely staged. Um, or at least certain conversations that are. And um, I just, I remember Beverly Hills, you know, back in the older seasons when there was just, like, there was so much built up. And then I, I want to say that, you know, kind of when Rena came on is when it the show started to seem a little bit more like they planned it out. Um, and, and when I say they, I kind of mean Rinna. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like 
the show is in a good direction. There's definitely things that could be better about the show. And I get where some people are frustrated by certain people on the show. But at the same time, I think that the casting right now is good. Um, minus a few people. So I'm going to leave it at that. So moving on over to Jersey, um, amid filming for New Jersey season 13, Teresa hosted a housewarming party that Joe reportedly skipped out on. The Bravo Housewives fan page on Instagram shared a post revealing that claims uh, Joe missed Teresa's housewarming after a fight with Louie at a recent boys night event. Things reportedly got so heated between Joe and Louie that Joe refused to attend Teresa's housewarming. It's the second reported heated exchange Joe has gotten into recently after he was filming berating one of his tenants that I talked about last week who was late on paying their rent. Joe is known for speaking his mind with emotion and lashing out when he does not feel heard. Listen, with all of this pre-existing family drama that uh, was carrying out on season 12 of Jersey... Um, I think it was bound for Joe and Louie to bump heads at some point. Um, hopefully Teresa and Joe can make peace before um, her wedding because um, Joe is her only sibling and the only man in her life that she likely wants to walk down, walk her down the aisle. Um, it's always disappointing to me when I see that her and Joe aren't getting along because they just, I mean, you know, like I have a sister, so I totally, I you know, I get that certain things can be frustrating, but at the same time, that's your only sibling and you know it's just it's sad at this stage in their life that this is how many times they fight or you know have disagreements on and i hope this isn't true but you know i wouldn't put it past you know i wouldn't put it past either of them so i have a recent interview that melissa gorga did with okay at mohegan sun's toast with the host a behind the bar event where she dished about how she and Teresa are mending their relationship and how filming is going for season 13 and why she gets along so well with Margaret and Jackie. She said, it's been a lot because we all left on a crazy note. I would say at the reunion, there was a lot of hard feelings. There was a lot of sadness and there was a lot of friendships that just did not mend. We're moving forward a little bit more now. Um, she's, said that we are a work in progress i feel like forever until the day i die is what she said for Teresa. it's real i love being able to tell the world that it's okay if you have someone in your family that you're not perfect with we're still family we still wish the best for each other but we just don't want to go to lunch it's never perfect it might be one day but it's not right now um she is obviously still tight with margaret and jackie she said i would say trust um, it's knowing they're never going to stab you in the back. That's huge for me, especially being on television for the last 12 years. You don't know who you can trust. You don't know if the new girlfriend you meet is truly your new girlfriend. These girls I can trust. On the business front, Melissa um, just moved to a larger location in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Um, and she said her foot traffic is unbelievable. And she confirmed that her e-commerce site has been amazing. Um, I... I I just want to share something real quick because I feel like I've talked about her relationship with Teresa for so long. Um, it's like what frustrates me. What frustrates me so much is that like I've seen so many interviews of. A, so Teresa doesn't do that many interviews, but I will say that I've seen Melissa do so many interviews and she constantly says, you know, like we don't want to go to lunch together and we don't want to do this. But then she always says like we're a work in progress and, like, to me, when I see that, it's kind of, like, frustrating because I'm, like, it's, it's like, she kind of, like, puts it on Teresa. And I'm, I'm not saying that Teresa's not a fool sometimes because she does act like a fool. And I know you all have heard me talk about these two countless times. But I'm going to, uh, here we go. I'm going on the hamster wheel again. Um, 
I think that it's a two-way street, and I think that it's it's kind of annoying that like Melissa keeps going on and on and on about how you know like they're a work in progress, and you know it's okay that we don't want to be best friends and this and this and that and like and and sh- but then it's like she's all boohoo on the show and says like you know you don't like me and you you know I just to me it's it's at the end of the day it's a two-way street. I feel like they should just suck it up. Um, and I feel like if they really want to work things out between the two of them, then they should make the effort. And clearly they don't. And so that's it. And it shows. I think it really shows. Um, what's just annoying is that I keep seeing all these interviews. You know, it's it's like every other time that she has an interview. And I know interviewers probably ask her about it. But at the same time, it's like, how about you say, you know what, um, we're working on it. And um, I'm going to call her next week and we're going to go to lunch or something. Why Why can't it be like... I don't want to go to lunch with her, but we're a work in progress. I, I think it's just annoying to see now at this point. You know, like we know you don't like each other and um, and just say that. Just say, I don't like Teresa. She bothers me and, um, you know, like, and, and work it out. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy to me that we're like bouncing on this thin line of, you know, she is who she is and I love her. I mean, it's just, it's, to me, it's so fake. And I, I, I just, I'm annoyed by it now. <laughs> So this article actually caught my eye. And speaking of things that we're sick of talking about, um, (laughs) the title of this article says, Danielle Staub says Teresa Judice is the reason that she's no longer on the show. Um, (laughs) So obviously we all remember Danielle and her contribution to New Jersey. For many, Danielle was uh, the cast member that we love to hate. Um, And her roller coaster relationship with Teresa came to a final halt after it was revealed that Teresa played a role in Danielle pulling Margaret's hair uh, back in season 10, I believe it was. And Danielle says that Teresa is the reason that she is no longer on the show and will never return. She um, uh, was on a it was this is a recent interview with Reality with the King uh, with Carlos King, who I like. And she um, and and Carlos said that Teresa would agree that the the moment solidified Teresa's career in reality TV. The moment they're speaking of is the table flip that happened in season one. Uh, Teresa said that is her career. That's all she's known for: the table flip and dissing. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Um, oh wait, no, this is this is Danielle. Sorry, <laughs> she said that is her career. That's all she's known for: the table flip and dissing me out of a paycheck. The person that put her on the map. When Carlos asked uh, Danielle whether um, Teresa is responsible for her not being on the show, Danielle had a lot to say. Um, (laughs) Might have to take a breath here, but I'm going to read you guys what she said. Um, Here we go. Teresa is responsible for not allowing what happened to me happen twice because she sat in front of my daughter on camera and promised that would never happen again, that she would have my back. I had her back until I realized she's stomping on me and using me as an excuse for that hair pull, which ended our friendship and I didn't blame her for it and took responsibility for it. It was my actions because of the misunderstanding and for her being mad at me and keeping her secret. And then on top of that, her thinking, oh, they're not going to show that. In other words, she thought it was going to all be hidden. Um, Alas, I was going to be fine. Danielle's going to go down again. And then uh, when I saw the the fallout of that, she wouldn't talk to me after that. She literally took down every photo of us together and blocked me while we were still filming. Um... (laughs) She said that Teresa and her former castmates made her an outcast in the early seasons to keep their secrets from being exposed. Um, So after Danielle quit the show the first time around, the cast dealt with some major issues. Teresa and Joe were indicted for bankruptcy fraud. 
and sentenced to separate jail sentences. Rumors about the Manzo family having mob ties ran rampant, and eventually Dina became estranged from both Caroline and Jacqueline altogether. Danielle said that she was used as the scapegoat in the earlier seasons. She said, I think that I was an easy pawn for them for their story that they wanted to drive. If I'm being honest, I was their person to put blame on for all the things that they needed to hide while I was in sweep under the rug, while I was thinking we were creating a friendship. And why she says she will never be on New Jersey again... Um, she, uh, cited being made the villain as the reason, and she says that she won't appear on that franchise again. She's open to others. Um, okay, first of all, da <laughs> so Danielle definitely was a love-to-hate character for a lot of people. I personally just did not like her. I didn't think she was a good housewife at all, and, um, I'm sure a lot of people also felt the same. Um... As far as her, like, statement, per se, um, I, first of all, I thought the second time that she came back around on the show when her and Teresa were kind of mending a friendship, um, the whole, like, meeting with, like, Teresa and, like, Danielle's daughter was, like, really kind of, like, bizarre. And I don't know if y'all remember it, but it was, like, Danielle, like, wanted Teresa to basically, like, apologize to her daughter on camera. And it was, like, really awkward and just kind of, like, weird because I was, like, why are you bringing the kids into it? Like, it's not like Teresa, like, you know, it's not like she, like, attacked your child. Um, and, like, you're the one who decided to be on the show. So, like, I I, I don't know. I, I, I just think that it was, like, really bizarre and weird. And I feel like Danielle was just, like, one of those attention seekers on the show. And I don't want to, like, turn this into, like, a whole, like, bash on Danielle thing. But, like, honestly, like, her interview, like, kind of was, like, didn't make any sense to me. Um, as far as her being off the show... Um, and being cast as a villain, no one liked her. So I, I think that's kind of the reason why she was off the show. Granted, I do think that Teresa, you know, was 100% caught in a lie. It made for great TV. She looked like a complete asshole. She somewhat rebounded from it because we all kind of forgot about it. At the same time, um, I, I still think that, like, like, I personally don't think that Teresa telling Danielle to pull the hair was as bad as Danielle actually pulling the hair. It was really bad. Like, if, if you go back and watch the clips of it from all the angles, it literally looks like she, like, gave her, like, whiplash. Like, it was that bad of a ponytail pull. And especially when Danielle was all bent out of shape on her earlier seasons about, um, about Ashley, Jacqueline's daughter, pulling Danielle's hair. Like, she was all bent out of shape. She brought a fucking mannequin to the reunion and, like, made this huge deal and brought, like, the chunk of hair that was supposedly pulled out of her hair. I mean, it's just, like, it's crazy to me that, like, she's using all this and it's very hypocritical. And um, I, I, do, I just, I don't think that there's a place for her on Bravo, even on an Ultimate Girls Trip or anything like that, because there was talks about that, too. Moving on over to Salt Lake City, I have a recent article from Radar Online. Federal prosecutors ripped into Jen Shaw and claim that she is refusing to turn over evidence ahead of her trial next month on fraud charges. In New York, attorneys for Jen and the government both submitted letters to the court as they battle over evidence in her case. Government claims that Jen is not giving over required documents. Meanwhile, Jen argues that the feds can't even tell her specifics of her alleged charges. The fighting comes just weeks before Jen is set to go to trial on allegations of operating an alleged telemarketing scheme. Um, 
So the trial is set for mid-July, and Jen has demanded a judge hear her case this summer. Um, that was previously reported. Now Jen and the feds are fighting in court ahead of a final pre-trial conference hearing later this month, according to documents obtained by Radar Online. The federal prosecutors said that they have provided detailed requests to Jen for evidence after her attorneys said they plan to present two weeks worth of defense case, according to the court paperwork, but Jen has ignored the request. They said, to date, the defendant has not produced any materials to the government pursuant to her reciprocal discovery obligations, whatever that means. The next day, Jen shot back against the claims, saying um, that she would provide any documents they find or intend to use at a trial. They also denied the government's suggestion that they intend to provide two weeks worth of evidence to support um, her case. Jen's attorney wrote that the government's complaints about the alleged uh, gamesmanship are ironic given that the prosecutors continue to charge, uh, I'm sorry, change their theory on the sus on their suspected crime. Jen is um, basically accusing the government of refusing to identify the particulars of the alleged fraud. They also continue to change the theory on the fraud and narrow its scope. Um, a letter from her attorney read, As we have told the government, we will promptly provide any items which Ms. Shaw intends to use in her case-in-chief at trial, which are within Ms. Shaw's possession, custody, or control. The judge has yet um, to... Oh, I'm sorry. The judge has yelled to rule on the um, evidence spat. Um, definitely interesting. Um <laughs> I will say that um, more stuff just keeps coming out. So the, I hope this trial is going to be as public as the whole Johnny Depp thing was, because that'll be really interesting. We can kind of because this is a you know, this is a criminal trial. So this is going to be really interesting to watch play out for sure. So Salt Lake City cast members Lisa Barlow and Heather Gay posted about miserable fucks around the same time following season three filming. It seems that um, they have established a friendship during season three, several weeks after the season reportedly concluded filming. They both posted about miserable fucks around the same time, and Heather tagged a few of her co-stars, and this was on Instagram... Um, Whitney Rose previously teased major dynamic shifts for season three. I think I've already said this, but I will say it again. Um, so, uh, I think, um, basically, uh, what's, what's, what, like, what I'm getting is that, um, so Heather and, Heather and Whitney obviously have a strong relationship and Meredith and Lisa had once had a close relationship, but, um, that is kind of not happening anymore i have been seeing some posts on instagram that meredith has been hanging out with jen shaw which is very interesting um i, I think it's going to be kind of interesting to see the dynamic sh dynamic shift for sure um according to a new insider account um housewives of salt lake city season three will feature two new housewives with mary and jenny's firing bravo hasn't officially named or confirmed the newcomers yet but one rumored cast member is um Angie Katsanavis. Um, and a port and reportedly Angie Harrington, who was a friend of last season, will also be back. It's unclear who introduced her to the cast, but she has um supposedly hang out with um Whitney and Lisa in a few pictures taken during filming. Angie is a friend of the show and filmed only a few scenes throughout the first two seasons, and it's unclear if she has joined the cast or return in a guest capacity. However, her presence in drama might indicate her status as a full-time housewife. 
moving away from Salt Lake City, um, this is like some crossover tea here um, with Potomac and Beverly Hills and whatever. But um, so we all know that Teddy and Tamara have a podcast. It's called Two Teas in a Pod. It's pretty popular in the Bravo podcast world. Um, there is another set of Housewife podcast hosts. Um, Reasonably Shady podcast is a podcast by Real Housewives of Potomac stars Giselle Bryant and Robin Dixon. They shared their feelings about Teddy's Instagram post about their podcast or whatever. And they said, Tamara and Teddy, y'all failed to say that y'all are the most listened to non-Housewives podcast. Former. X. And yes, I'm being shady. Um, she... I mean, I, I don't I don't think that that was super shady, but I think that Giselle, um, I mean, is obviously bothered by their podcast. Um, she said, I'm going to have to pull some iHeartRadio numbers, ladies, because what y'all saying ain't true. And for the record, the challenge is on. Giselle also commented that Teddy's post was like fighting words. She said, I kind of got offended a little bit. For those of you who don't know, um, uh, Giselle can be a little bit shady. Um, but um, <laughs> she's, anyways... Um, she said that she does like the lady. She said, and don't get me wrong, Tamara, with all due respect, you were on OC for like 12, 13, 14 years. All due respect. She added, Teddy, you were on Beverly Hills for four minutes, so we're not really even counting you. Yes, I'm being shady. But come on now, y'all. You're just going to ignore Robin and Giselle. Um, she said that <laughs> Teddy and Tamara's podcast is popular because they are no longer working for Bravo. And she said they can talk all types of shit about their shows. So they might have a bunch of nosy people wanting them to talk shit about other housewives. And that's exactly what they do. Um, listen, okay, we're gonna. I'm gonna get into what I was talking about earlier. Um, I will preface this by saying I do listen to Two Teas in a Pod. I usually listen to every episode that comes out. I've skipped a couple episodes. I haven't listened since the beginning, but I do listen to it weekly. Um, truth be told, I started out and I was like, oh, this is kind of this is kind of you know enjoyable and everything, and. Um, I don't know. Like for me, I almost feel like, well, okay. I will say this. I like their, um, I like their recaps. I think that their insight is pretty cool. Like I like the perspective of them talking like they're, you know, they've been there. They know that, um, Tamara is like, you know, she's opinionated, but she's not in your face about it. I will say that Teddy, you know, like she was on the show for three years um, I know she's close with Kyle and, and Rinna and, and she's, she has that tight group with Dorit and Erica and all of them. But, um, I, I guess like for me, I, there are certain things that she says that I'm like, you know, how life do you, do you really know enough to be critiquing everybody? Um, and there's a lot going on right now with, um, with Vicky and Teddy, which I will get to in a little bit. And um, because I know a lot of people um, have been talking about it on social media, but um, I, I guess I just don't understand like the it's it's I mean, it's cool that they have a podcast and all that stuff. But, you know, Tamara has has been, you know, an, a housewife for years. And I think that her opinion and is a little bit more valued in the housewives community. And I think that her personality, um, it, it fits really well with like recapping housewives and talking with housewives because I feel like she's. She's just that personality. Teddy, like, to me, didn't really seem like she was... I don't know. Like, when I think of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I don't think of Teddy. It doesn't come to my, you know, mind. And I'm not trying to be mean because, you know, I know that um, I got to choose my words carefully here. I don't want to get in trouble or anything. But um, at the same time, like, I don't get why her opinion is, like, 
so just you know like I, I don't you know and I think I've I've read some of the reviews I've seen what people have to say like Teddy's a know-it-all and that kind of stuff and I, I think it's cool to have your own podcast I mean I mean look what I'm doing I think you know I I've now I'm rambling at this point but I will I will kind of end this part of the conversation by saying like I think it's cool that they have a podcast but at the same time I think that Teddy thinks that she's a know-it-all at some things and I don't consider her opinion as valued as I do with Tamara. I think that Tamara has a much more, um, she's she's much more grounded in the novel community than, than Teddy is, for sure. Only because I was talking about Potomac earlier. I don't really listen to, I've actually never listened to Giselle and Robin's podcasts. But granted, I don't really listen to a lot of Housewife podcasts, only because I'm super busy and I, I don't need to... Um, I mean, I don't need to really listen to everybody's just because I see it all the time on Instagram. Um, and so I like I don't I don't necessarily have the time to listen to like every single housewife's podcast that they have. But um, you know, that's not to say that they they aren't good. I mean, obviously Tamara and Teddy's is popular, but um I, you know, I'm I'm sure Giselle and Robbins is just as good. I, I wouldn't say anything bad about theirs. So speaking of Tamara and Teddy's podcast Closing out here with some Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip info or interview, whatever you shall call it. Um, I I think it's interesting that Jill Zarin is returning for the Ultimate Girls Trip. And I found this interview that I wanted to share with y'all um, where she looks back on her 2011 departure from Roni in a recent People interview, simply stating that the show went in a different direction and my life went in a different direction. She had a lot more to say, however, um, <laughs> Bravo announced in September of 2011 that she would not return for Roni season five. The network had terminated Jill's six-year contract after just four seasons, per The Hollywood Reporter, and Jill made no secret um, that she'd been fired. She said, I'm not embarrassed about it. I didn't do anything wrong. Um, months later, in January of 2012, is what she said to The Hollywood Reporter. As part of that cast shakeup, Alex McCord, Kelly Ben Simone, and Cindy Barship were also let go with only three of her castmates, Luann, Ramona, and Sonia, asked back for season five. In this interview, Jill also explained that she was already preparing storylines for season five when she got a phone call from her producer in early September that Bravo had made the decision to let the four of us go. The network announced new cast members Aviva, Carol Radzowell, Heather Thompson shortly afterwards. Um, Car- I'm sorry, Jill said that she was upset but appreciated that executive producer Andy Cohen called her later with an explanation of sorts. He said they wanted the series to go in a different direction and that the last season ended very dark, which I find ironic uh, Ironic because they could have controlled that. And she added um, that it was absolutely untrue, rumors of salary disputes. I filmed many happy scenes that the network canned. Um... Despite that conversation, Jill appeared on an October 2012 Watch What Happens Live episode and asked Andy point blank why she, why she was fired from Roni. And Andy, Andy said, we were looking to shake the show up, noting the many times they'd already discussed the manner, um, matter. I'm sorry. The viewers were the ones that to us dictated that they wanted something to change. And he also cited that Roni season four reunion as being incredibly toxic for everyone involved. In response, Jill shared that her firing felt like a death, telling Andy that she was heartbroken afterwards. And she also said that she felt like she had played favorites and, I'm sorry, that she had felt that he played favorites and sided with Bethany in their televised feud, casting Jill as the villain of sorts. (laughs) I have to say, um, 
I um I don't think that like Andy cast her as the villain. I feel like she kind of looked like the villain. She was really kind of like she was like hella bent out of shape with Bethany. If you're like going back to that, if that's what she's referring to, she was hella bent out of shape about Bethany and like honestly like publicly like shamed her for who even remembers. Like I don't I don't even feel like I remember what they were even fighting about. All I remember is that she was just like rude to her and said like, you can get a hobby or whatever. And it's like Bethany had like apologized to her many times and whatever. Um, so Jill also said, um, I shed a few tears because when anything ends, it seems so final. I honestly have no idea really why I was fired because nobody will tell me the true answer. I mean, at the time I was told that the show had gone and, um, gone so dark that it couldn't recover and they needed to change the cast i don't think the fans agreed let's be honest i was perfectly suited for the show um i mean she was good at the time but like hearing all the stuff of like why she got fired i also read that book um by um uh nine nine davis is that who it is um i I can't remember who wrote that book but it was the um not all diamonds and rose book and um like Jill was, and this is for like from producers and stuff. Jill was like super like manipulating storylines, creating storylines, and I feel like that's like not what reality TV is supposed to be. It's supposed to be docu series style. It's supposed to be really authentic, and a lot of shows, granted, have done that and they've been staged, and um, so there's been a variety of both. But I will say that I feel like you know they could just tell Jill, look, you're trying to be a producer, and we want a housewife. You know, we want somebody real. Um, and I think so far she's doing good on Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. She's kind of blending in the background so far, but hopefully she kind of picks it up a little bit and secures a spot maybe on the Roni legacy. That would be kind of cool. Well, my friends, we have reached the end of the Ultimate Breakdown. I hope you enjoyed it kind of long this week. Anyways, here is your flash filming update. Um, Atlanta is still airing on Sundays. Beverly Hills is still airing on Wednesdays. Miami is currently still filming. New Jersey is currently still filming. Roni is uh, casted. I've already, um, I talked about that last week, I believe. Um, Orange County, I believe, has not yet begun filming yet. I will let you guys know if I hear more. Potomac is currently still filming. Salt Lake City is wrapped and is rumored to air around September of 2022. So this year, hopefully. And um, Real Housewives of Dubai is still airing on uh, Wednesdays after Beverly Hills. Uh, Vanderpump Rules is currently still filming and uh, Real Housewives Ultimate Girl Strip is now streaming on Peacock. You can watch the first three episodes on Peacock right now. If you do not have Peacock, it is free. Uh, you can download it. I don't know if you need to have a subscription to watch um, The Girl Strip because um, I know certain shows are on there for, um, I don't know. You can watch it. Just go on there and find it, Peacock. If not, I'm sure it's going to air on Bravo after it's all done streaming. So yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in and I will talk to you soon. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you know when the new episodes arrive. If you have any news to share, feel free to message me so I can talk about all your favorite tea. Follow me on Instagram at Housewives Happy Hour with AJ for updates on the podcast and the latest news regarding all things Housewives. Until next time, this was Housewives Happy Hour with AJ. Thank you.